Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and taking at least a small break from studying for the very last law school exams you will ever have to study for to join me today to recap the dog takeover at the NFL draft over the weekend in Las Vegas is my co-host Curtis. And guys, if you didn't know it already, we are living in the golden age of Georgia football. No doubt about it. An undefeated regular season. A national championship, 40-plus years in the making, blowing up the NFL Combine, and now dominating the NFL Draft itself to the tune of a number one overall pick and two all-time records with five defensive players drafted in the first round and 15 players drafted overall. Our beloved Georgia Bulldogs were the talk of the sporting world over the weekend, and now have become the center of the college football world, and as someone who has quite literally been waiting my entire life for this, I can honestly say, man, it is living up to the expectations. It is everything I ever thought it would be, and it will never get old. I've been like waiting for like the other shoe to drop and to come down from this high, and I just haven't, and I don't know if I will. I guess maybe the first time we lose a game this season or next season or whenever that happens again, maybe that'll be it. But like, I don't know, man. Maybe it will just never, ever get old. Maybe it'll never stop. I'll never come down. But anyway, regardless, the NFL draft in Vegas over the weekend became just the latest example of dog domination. And with 15 players getting drafted, We've got a lot to talk about concerning said draft. So, Curtis, this is where I want to bring you in, man. The records that we broke over the weekend are well documented at this point, and we will get to all the individual draft picks, the players themselves here momentarily. But first, I think the appropriate place to start is with the 9,000-foot view, taking a look at the big picture. So, Curtis, what was your biggest takeaway from our showing, our dominant showing, our record-setting showing at the NFL Draft over the weekend in Las Vegas? Uh, my biggest thing is it was like a wide variety of everything. Um, and, and that's what I felt success in. It's like 
you had Trevon Walker who came in and played into the system. You had Jordan Davis who came in and developed. You had uh, Devontae Wyatt come in and develop. You had um, Quay, or I meant Trevon Walker, but then you also had Quay Walker wait his turn. And I think that was the thing that really stood out to me is a lot of these guys were just, it was like one of those times where you're like all these different selling points. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away is like how much I think it can help us long-term. Yeah. hundred percent Curtis. I mean, there's honestly like, I'm not sure the results of the draft told us anything that we didn't already know. Like on one hand, you want to say, well, like now we know that recruiting matters. It's like, well, we already knew that, right? Like, you know, getting more five-star players and, and finishing with top three classes year in, year out means you're going to be more talented than just about everyone in America. It means you're going to have a shot to a national title each and every year. So I think we already knew that. I think this maybe just reaffirmed that. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could say, well, hey, you know, maybe our, maybe our coaches really do know how to evaluate talent. Guys like Jordan Davis being three stars, being first top 15 draft picks in the NFL draft. But I, if you've been paying attention, you already know that. I mean, you already knew that. I mean, look at a guy like A.D. Mitchell. It's not new that our coaching staff not only are like just elite recruiters in general, but we know they know how to evaluate talent. That's been well documented if you just paid attention. Maybe some people could sit here and say, well, my takeaway is the 2022 defense really was one of the greatest defenses of all time. But again, if you've been paying attention, you already knew that. Like You knew all of that. So I don't know if this really told me anything that I didn't already know. I think maybe it solidified things for me more than anything else. I will say this, Chris. Honestly, here's this is my first like initial takeaway. Like I think I, I texted you that we had just hit 15 draft picks. We just broke the record. And as I was like typing out that that text to you, and then I tweeted that out. What was going through my mind, honestly, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody. But I just like in my mind, I was thinking, all right, this is the finishing touch, the icing on top of the cake of like Kirby's FU tour. Cause I think that's what our 2021 was, Curtis. Like for all, like everyone's always like, yeah, Kirby's a good coach, but it was always the yeah, but yeah, but he can't develop talent. He can recruit, but he can't develop talent. Well, yeah, he can recruit, but he can't coach. He's not an in game coach. He gets, you know, fake punt, right? 2018 SEC championship game, Justin Fields, fake punt. He can't develop quarterbacks. Oh, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, right? Can't get over the hump. Can, can beat most teams, can't beat Saban, can't win the big one. And I think Kirby answered, not, not think, I know, he definitively answered every single one of those criticisms that, that had been used against him, that had been levied against him his entire career in Athens. And like I, I always try to say it, it doesn't, all that stuff really bothered me. But I, I know if you ever heard me talk about Dan Mullen, you're probably like, yeah, right, Tyler. Obviously, it does bother you. So like on some level, of course, it annoyed me. It annoyed me that idiots who had no clue what they were talking about had all these ridiculous, absurd narratives that had no basis in fact whatsoever. And so to me, 2021, the entire season, undefeated regular season, sure, we fell short in the SEC title game, but to come back to just beat down Michigan the way we did, to finally get over the hump and beat Saban the way that we did, and, and to do it in fourth quarter fashion, like we just dominate the fourth quarter, which is something Nick Saban has always prided his teams on. I think Kirby just spent the entire year with two middle fingers up in the air, waving at everyone's face, everyone who's criticized him. To me, that's that was like my visual of the entire 2021 season. And I felt like this was the final, this was just the final icing on the cake, right? This is the finishing touches that where, because there was another criticism. Well, you know, Georgia doesn't really get like high draft picks. Yeah, guys get drafted. We had like nine guys drafted last year, but how many in the first round? It's like, oh, well, we just set a record for defensive players drafted in, in the first round in a single draft. So that's really kind of where my mind went. And maybe that's the pettiness in me. But yeah, I think it's just the finishing touches to Kirby's FU tour in, in a lot of ways. But 
you know, a little bit more than that. I'll go in just a little bit here. I think what the draft solidified for me more than anything, Curtis, and tell me if you disagree with me here, man, but it solidified for me the fact that we have officially established ourselves among the big boys as an elite college football program. This was not just an elite team that we cycled up to, like maybe Florida did in 2020. Could you argue Florida was elite in 2020? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that's an elite program. It was an elite team, an anomaly. I think now you see that not only was it an elite team in 2021, that we are an elite football program. We've been right there for years. And like 15 draft picks in a single draft does not happen by accident. 24 draft picks over two years does not happen by accident. That is a result of sustained success on the recruiting trail, which means for years, Curtis, I've been saying this for years, we have had one of the most talented teams in the country. And it was just, we hadn't quite cashed in, but in 2021, we finally cashed in. You know, Charlie gives me a hard time because I go into every year on our prediction episodes predicting that we're going to make the SEC championship game and be a college playoff team. And I've been doing that for the past couple of years. And some people say, oh, you're just being a homer. And that's fine. Maybe whatever. But I've been predicting that for years because we were that good. I knew the kind of talent we had in our roster. I know how we've been recruiting. It was just a matter of getting over the hump. We've been right there. We were overtime away from winning in Kirby's second year. That's how close we were. I knew that. So, and I said all those things. I knew the kind of talent Kirby had amassed. So I think to me, it just kind of solidifies that for me that we are like an official elite program, not just a good team that had one really good year. We're an elite program. And the most exciting thing about it all for me is that this type of recruiting prowess doesn't just like poof, disappear. It doesn't go away. Kirby is relentless. He has been his, his entire career. He's going to be as long as he is our head coach. And with that in mind, we are going to consistently, year in, year out, be among the most talented teams in America. And if you are one of the most talented teams in America, you are one of the privileged few who goes into every single season with a legit shot, man, a legit shot to contend for. And then, oh, yeah, just like we did last year, win a national title. So I've said it before. I'll say it again. We are living in the glory years, boys and girls. And all of our rivals out there who don't like that, they better get used to it because this is just the beginning. To me, this is just the beginning. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, Curtis, I want to use that. I want to segue in here, but we're going to dive deep into 
the actual draft picks here in just a few minutes, like the actual players themselves talk about who went where. But I do want to segue into this, Curtis. The 2022 draft picks in the books. All right, done, gone. Record set, awesome, fantastic. Another dog takeover. But Kurt, it's going to be difficult, man. I think if we're being honest, it's going to be difficult to top that next year in Kansas City at the 2023 NFL Draft. But if you had to project now, Curtis, how do we follow this up next year? Um, I think you could very well see, um, a, you know, three to four first round picks. Um, I think it's the only way that we follow this up. I don't think we're going to set any records, but I think you have to be realistic that we are going to put some guys in the league next year, especially in that first round, to at least continue the prowess of placing guys in the first round. I mean, Bama last year had Mac, Devontae. I think there's other people. Um, LSU had all those first-round picks the year they won it. So I think the biggest thing is you just have to continuously put people in the league. Um, you can't just have right. one one-off years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you want to be this elite program, not just like one really good anomalous team, then you got to do it year after year like Bama's done. If we want to be Bama or be the next version of that, then you've got to do what they do year in, year out in the NFL draft. Do you think we are set up to do that next year? I think we are. I mean, realistically, I think um, Jalen Carter could easily be a first-round pick. Rick Gilbert, I mean, I'm not going to say he is, but he has the ability to go have a crazy good year. Um, yeah, so and then it's tough to put the expectations on him, but he has that pedigree for sure. Yeah, like he has a pedigree to where he could make the jump if he jumped back. Um, I mean, there's just all – I mean, the problem is outside of those two, I'm not really sure who I'm ready to say is another first-round pick. Um, Keely Ringo? Keely Ringo, maybe. Roger Jones has a great year and has a left tackle with his athletic ability. Nolan? Could. Nolan Smith? Nolan, yeah. I mean, well, I think I think those are very good points. So the, I mean, you have guys that have the potential that could easily be there. Yeah, but you also have guys like and it's so it's it's so funny, Curtis. I don't know if you've done this to go back and look at the project like the early NFL draft projections for this past draft, like last summer, and like Spencer Rattler was like up there, like most dra- most most mock drafts had him like the number one pick, and it's like, oh yeah, well, um, he was so bad he got benched in favor of a freshman, and then had to transfer out. So yeah, that didn't work out so well. So like, it's really hard to project here, but I, I think some of those names, I think they're all realistic. Are they going to be first on draft picks? I don't know. Guys, see what kind of year they have, but I mean, Jalen Carter, Curtis, I will, I would bet my, my home. I bet my, I would bet everything I have, like every asset I have in my life, I would bet it on him going in the first round. Like, is, is that yeah. a crazy statement? I feel like he's a, a health, 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 health barring. Yes. Yeah, that that's the only thing. I I would have to take out insurance policy if, like if he if he got hurt. If he stays healthy, yeah, Jalen Carter is gonna be a first round draft pick. In fact, I might put my mortgage on it saying that he's gonna be a top ten draft pick, maybe even top five. I might be that confident. Keeley, I think, has the the tools to do that. I thought he made strides last year. We need to, we need to see him take it to another level. He's got all the physical tools it would take to be a first round draft pick, but we just need to see him do it on the field, take it to another level, which I very confident he can do that this year. Nolan. It's all about the numbers. Like that was that wasn't knocking against Javon Walker's that he didn't have the production, the sack numbers, tackles for loss. It's like, well, our guys are asked to do things a little bit differently. I think Nolan's a, a very, very good pass rusher when he's allowed to. Last year he had taken on a hell of a role as really our primary outside linebacker that defended against the run. Like he, that, that's really what he now he rushed at times too. Don't get me wrong, absolutely. But he was so freaking strong against the run last year, and he's undersized on top of that. I think that if he can just put 
if he can put up a little bit more on tape rush in the past, and he gets more opportunities to do that this year, maybe with a different defense coordinator, you'll see more opportunities for Nolan to get one-on-one. And with no Adam Anderson in the pitcher all year long, with our blitzing inside linebackers all gone, that we're able to create, create pressure for us, I think we might have to lean more on a guy like Nolan Smith to actually rush the passer and disrupt things in the backfield than we have in, the, in years past. And if that happens, I think he's already put on tape what he can do against the run. If he can just be more and more consistent rushing the passer, I think he absolutely can put himself into first-round conversation. Let's not forget, Nolan Smith is a, is a former number one overall recruit in the country. Now, that doesn't always translate to being a first-round pick, but more often than not, it does. So I think he's got the tools to do it. I just let's see if he gets the opportunities. We mentioned Gilbert. Broderick Jones is a really intriguing one, Curtis. I think he's got the athleticism to do it. We just haven't seen a ton of him for me to like go on that limb and say, yeah, he's going to be there. But he has all the, the ability in the world, if he can put together a really good season this year, to find himself as a first-round draft. Again, so talking about tools, right? Why did Trevon Walker go number one? Freaking tools, man. Potential. And Broderick Jones, Nolan Smith, Arik Gilbert, Keely Ringo, Jalen Carter, all of those guys have it. Now, will all, was that five guys be drafted in the first round? I mean, odds are probably not, but also not outside the question. But the thing about, let's think about some other names, Curtis. Who else, like not even necessarily first round, but who on the team that will probably be a likely either senior or early declaration next year do you think would be a, a draft pick next year? Just a pick? Or? Yeah, just a pick. Not in the first round necessarily, but just that will get picked in the NFL draft. Because we had 15 this year. Let's try it. So we got five that we're saying potentially in the first round. Who else? Kenny McIntosh? Kenny McIntosh, yeah. I would also say Tyke Smith if he comes back healthy. Yeah. Um, Former third-team All-American, yeah. Robert Beal could probably work himself in there. I think he'll get drafted. Um, yeah. Darnell Washington, if he stays with us, would be drafted. If he leaves, yeah, I didn't see. I didn't have him on my list. Yeah, if he decides to leave, yeah. Uh, what about uh, what, okay? So if Kenny McIntosh, what about Rick Gilbert? We said McIntosh, Gilbert. I'm trying to think who else. Um, Warren McClendon, Van Pran. Oh, Van Pran potentially. You're right. Chris Smith. He'd get a shot. I don't know his size. I think he'd be a six round draft pick if he has a good year. Yeah, that's why he came back. Zion Logue. If he, I mean, he, he might not go out, but like he could. He's been, it'll be his fourth year out of high school. So he could potentially if he wanted to. So I think there's a number of names. I mean, I can, I don't know if we'll get 15. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey guys, we're going to, we're going to equal or surpass that, that number next year. But I don't think we'll be too far off, to be honest. I mean, let's see, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith, Arik Gilbert, Broderick Jones, uh, Kenny McIntosh, maybe Kendall Milton, Kiaris Jackson, Curtis. Come on, Kiaris again, drafted. Oh, that's someone, yeah. Yeah, Kier's getting drafted. War McClendon, Chris Smith, Tyke. We're already in double digits right now, and the list can go on and on. We'll see who has. There's always somebody that comes out of nowhere and has a big year. So, hey, Stetson Bennett could be drafted. Oh my God, Curtis! Did you just say that? I mean, hey, we're talking the about president of the Stetson Bennett Hater Club. There. I mean, I hey, mean, crazier picks, crazier picks have happened. Honestly, Curtis, like, even though it is wild that Brock Purdy was mystery relevant after all the pre. Uh, oh yeah, pu- all the talk about uh, him coming into the season last year. Well, I, the entire Iowa State team fell flat on their face. I mean, ridiculous. Supposed to be yeah. the greatest season in the history I mean, of the even, program, and seven wins. Even Jalen Watermeyer didn't get drafted. So, I mean, crazy. And how many years have we been? Has he been shoved in our throats as like the best tight end, not just in the SEC, but like one of the best in the, in the entire country? And it's like, yeah, he's he last a lot two of years opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Stetson Curse. I'm. Sh- I was gonna go there. I was gonna. I was gonna like you know, ironically throw that at you and see how you'd react, but you beat me to the punch, man. So yeah, I think Stetson has a shot. If he improves, like I think he will this year to be sixth, seventh round, you know, a guy who's got the pedigree, you know, winning titles and 
has the, the kind of work ethic behind him. And like, we, like we've always said, Curtis, like Stetson Bennett's not going to go to the NFL if he goes to the NFL as a starting quarterback. I will go out on a limb and say that. That's not going to happen. But Stetson is the ultimate security blanket as a backup quarterback. I mean, he, that's what he is. Like At the NFL, that's what he will be. So yeah, I don't think it's like out of the question. So yeah, I mean, we'll be right around that number. I don't think it's crazy to say that. The last thing here, we'll move on to some of the draft picks from this past draft. Who do you think next year will be our top three draft picks? I think Jalen Carter for sure, number one. Jalen Carter, um, Keely Ringo, and probably Broderick. Broderick. See, I have Gilbert over Broderick, but maybe, but they love offensive linemen. So if Broderick has that kind of year, yeah. I mean, does. they love they love those athletic offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. If he has the kind of year he that we want him to have and need him to have, then yeah, I guess I probably would put Broderick over Gilbert. That's a good call. Good call on that one. Man. Good call there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so we talked about the big picture, Curtis, the 9,000 foot view. We kind of preview what's going to take place next year at the 2023 NFL draft, but we've got a lot more to talk about here we got to narrow this thing down to individual players. So I'm just going to go – we're not going to talk about every single player that was drafted because there's 15 guys. we got time for that, and not all of them are necessarily remarkable draft picks, right? But there are some highlights here that we do want to touch on, and I think that we got to start at the top with Trevon Walker. I mean, number one overall draft pick, Curtis, doesn't happen every day. now. And now we are, by the way, just another record we've tied here. We are tied for first in the history of the NFL draft with number one overall draft pick. So not too shabby for the University of Georgia. So, Kurt, uh, quickly here with Walker, was he a worthy number one overall draft pick? I think he is. Um, I mean, I I respect everything about him and the fact that he bought into the system. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to trash Jermaine Johnson or someone but you see someone like him who's kind of like very similar in what you saw in Travon Walker but he left because he wanted to be in you know in a 4-3 system and Travon really stayed the course and yet it all worked out for him um you saw all the athletic ability I mean he could make the plays dropping the coverage um stopping the run rushing the passer even sprinting downfield and making plays I mean the guy had it all um, and I just think that while he didn't have the production numbers, which Mel Kuyper focused only on, I think that his intangibles can make him a great pro. Mel Kuyper is like, hey, tell me you don't actually watch college football without telling me you don't watch college football. He's just, clearly, you're right, just going off numbers and production. It's like, well, if you actually watch Georgia play and you actually pay attention to Walker, you would see that he was asked to do different things. He played the five tech primarily for us, which is not a glamour position. We talked about that many times before. We talked about in the preview last week. And he's just no, – nobody who plays that position for us is going to put up big-time stats, like in terms of like sacks, TFLs, because that's not what that position's asked to do necessarily. And now we – Walker has 
such great versatility. We were able to move him around and do some different things with him. You're right. We talked about you. We dropped him into coverage at times. The Florida game was a great example of that. We deflects the pass and no one picks it off. I think mean, fantastic stuff that you don't see five tech defensive ends doing ever in a three, four scheme, moving inside and pass rushing opportunities and getting a matched up with guards, which was a mismatch, all of those things. So I, I like the production thing, like that's a hollow argument to me. Like whatever, man, you could like, just, you're telling me that you don't watch college football. You don't actually watch Georgia play. That, that's what you're telling me by that. Like you're just coasting on your coaching on your reputation, Mel Kuyper. That's fine. Whatever. But if you're an NFL team what you're looking for first off for a number one draft pick you got to have a guy that has the tools that can translate to the nfl and walker has those in spades we saw him blow up the nfl combine and i thought he'd blow it up i didn't know he'd blow it up the way that he did i don't know if i saw a four five one coming i saw a good time i don't know if i saw that coming at 275 pounds but he blew the doors off the nfl combine and when that happened all bets are off because i'm sure you can say production but again just go watch the tape what he was asked to do, he did at an, at an elite level. It just wasn't always – he wasn't always asked to rush the passer and to penetrate in the backfield and create tackles for loss. When he was asked to do those things, he did them very well. So if you take that into consideration along with the physical tools that this guy has, like off the charts, physical tools, freakish athleticism, absolutely he's a worthy number one overall draft pick, particularly in a, in a NFL draft cycle that did not have the elite quarterbacks. Now, would, would he have been number one pick last year or next year? Probably not. You know what? That doesn't matter. All that matters is that he was number one draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Would you have taken him over Aiden Hutchinson, Curtis? Because that was the big conversation. I would because, I mean, they failed to mention how he was just completely neutralized against Georgia when he finally had speed, like when there was a more evenly matched offensive line and speed attack. Yeah, by a, by an offensive lineman who went, what, in the fifth round is where Salyer went? Mm-hmm. Right? I think in the fifth round, right? Yeah. Just after Justin Schaefer. Yeah. All right, so Walker. But uh, outside of Walker going number one, Curtis, I, I think the biggest story had to be N'Kobe Dean dropping all the way down to number 83 overall in the third round. I know there's been a lot of conversation no already about this, but I want to give you a chance to have your say on this. What did you make of N'Kobe dropping all the way from a first-round grade, almost universally, to number 83 overall? I think it's BS, um, realistically. Uh, I just think the biggest thing is this whole soft tissue injury. Um, you see people you see people taking Jamison Williams coming off the ACL surgery. You see all these other people being taken off surgeries, but yet N'Kobe Dean apparently dropped because that's what they're claiming. Um, so if that's the truth, I really question that. But, I mean, in the end, it worked out. He gets to go to a system where he's once again gets to hide behind Jordan Davis. So it worked out for him, dream. but I just don't, I just don't think the drop – was rightful. Now, it, it's the same thing as Aziz Ojolari last year, Curtis, right? Like Aziz mm-hmm. was a first round talent. Aziz Ojolari was a first round talent, but because of like these mysterious injury concerns, he drops the second round. And what does he do? He leads all rookies in sacks last year in the NFL. I just, I expect something similar from Nicobe Dean. Like again, watch football, watch Georgia play, watch the tape. Nicobe Dean is an elite football player. Is he undersized? Yeah. Does he lack some of the physical tools a guy like Quay Walker and Chainton will have? Yeah, sure. But what he has is the instincts, the leadership qualities, the intelligence, all of those things that just they're harder to quantify, but they're so critical. They're so important in playing that position. Like you just, you can't put a number on those kind of things. And that's why he played over Chain Tindall last year. Chain Tindall, in essentially every single measure, like any of these combine type testing events, He's going to test better than Kobe Dean, like almost across the board. 
but yet he was, I don't want to say he wasn't half the player, but he did not start. It could be he played far more snaps than him. Why? Because everything else the inside linebackers are supposed to be able to do and need to be able to do, he was significantly better than Chain Tindall. So the, the combine numbers are great. All the testing numbers are great. You love that. I mean, like Trayvon Walker, you love that. But you also have to be able to have the production on the field to a degree. And like to me, Nicobe Dean answered that bell with, you know, flying colors. It's not even close. So look, he's a first round draft pick. The, the Eagles got an absolute steal here. Their doctors say he's fine. It was obviously about the, the pec injury, the concern there. Does he have to have surgery? Does he not have to have surgery? Nicobe's gotten multiple opinions. Almost every one of them said no surgery. It's what the doctors are telling him. And the Eagles doctors are telling him the same thing. He's going to be at minicamp. Was it next week? So I think all these teams are going to regret this, man. I mean, Kobe Dean, I think he's going to be I – th- I think he has all pro potential down the road. Now, again, I'm not an NFL guy per se, but I watch enough. I think Kobe Dean has that potential down the road here, maybe sooner rather than later. Uh, all right, guys. I, now, Curse, stay on inside linebackers for a second here. I don't like to pat myself on the back because, like, that's weird. But I did tell you guys last summer that I thought Quay Walker – had first-round potential. Now, he had to have a good year, and he did. And sure enough, he rose up draft boards, ultimately going number 22 overall in the first round to the Green Bay Packers. So he goes over Nicobe Curse. I think a, a month ago, not many people would have said that was going to happen, but yet we all watched that happen. So if you're an NFL GM, Curtis, would you have taken Quay Walker over Nicobe Dean? Like, let's take injury concerns out of the equation. Two fully healthy players. Who are you taking first? I probably would go Quay, um, and I think the only thing is that I think he's still scratching the surface of what he's capable yeah, of, uh, realistically. Totally agree, and I said I did a preview episode last week, and I told you guys in that preview episode before the draft happened that if I was drafting our three inside linebackers who were all fantastic in their own right, I love all of them, I would have gone Quay 1 and Kobe 2, Tyndall 3. And it's because Quay does, he might not, he's not quite as instinctive and maybe as intelligent of a player as high of a football IQ as Nicobe, but he ain't that far off. And his physical tools are more comparable to Chain Tindall in a much bigger frame. We're talking about a 6'3, 240, 245 pound frame, running four five, moving like he does, running silent silent, just like Nicobe. I mean, to me, like you're talking about projecting to the NFL, Quay's more of a prototypical. NFL inside linebacker, like some of the old school linebackers that Alabama used to have, like the Rolando McLeans, all those guys from years past, right? Quay's that kind of guy. That's why I said last summer, I thought he had a chance to be a first round draft pick if he was able to put it all together on the field, which we saw him do all year long. He was fantastic for us. He was always in a Kobe shadow, but I'm sitting here like, and I don't go back and watch the tape, you know, after the games during the week. I'm like, dude, Quay is a beast. Quay is balling out out here. Nobody talks about Quay Walker because Nicobe's so great. And it's like, you you know, you focus so much on Nicobe Dean. It's like, well, you forget about Quay. And Quay is, Quay was just fantastic. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. I would have definitely taken Quay over Nicobe, but I also would have taken Nicobe in the first round. All right, Kurt, just a couple more here, real quick, man. Uh, George Pickens, the 11th wide receiver taken, going number 52 overall in the second round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was George really only the 11th best wide receiver in this draft? No, not at all. I mean, I think that. The injury is not as much as maybe there's other questions about him. It's always been, I'm not saying red flags for George, but there's always been a little hesitancy over some of his antics and things like that. So I don't know. I can't sit here and say that that didn't play a role at all in him dropping. I like the word antics, Curtis, because you're right. He's never been like an off the field problem kind of guy. Let's make that very clear. George has never really got in trouble with the law, as far as I know, here in Athens. 
I've always been told glowing things about George from people inside the program that, you know, coaches love him. He loves the program. He plays hard. Teammates love him. Whole nine yards. He cares about football, all that stuff. But it was always kind of just like maturity things, like like antics. Like you said, that's a really good word. And sometimes in the NFL, teams just don't always want to deal with the headaches, even minor headaches, especially when you haven't proven yourself on the NFL level. Like why does why did Antonio Brown keep getting all those chances? Because Antonio Brown, when he was given chances, always produced at a high level. But at some point, even like I'm not obviously George is not Antonio Brown. Not drawing the comparison. I'm not trying to make say that's the kind of guy he's going to be. But I'm just kind of using that as, as a comparison here, saying like. At some point, teams realize, I think they're realizing this more and more, that headache becomes a problem and it's too much. And George just hasn't had, he hasn't had a chance to show the NFL that he can do it. He didn't really get to play much last year. But how much of it do you think, Curtis, was coming off the injury, not really getting a chance to play much last year versus like the maturity and the antics? Injury affected him. I, I will sit here and say that. But I don't think that that's the thing that scared people off. I mean, like we saw Jameson Williams, I already mentioned, like his was even a lot more fresher of an ACL tear. And yet, it did, I mean, he dropped, yes, but he wasn't taken as like the 11th best receiver. Yeah. So I don't think that that was everything for him compared to what it was for George. I will say Jameson Williams was able to put more on tape. Like George has put a couple of things on. Like he's put a couple of good seasons on tape, but nothing to the degree that – Jamison Williams was able to do. Oh, I, I agree with that statement. Jamison's tape was just so much – I mean, it realistically was better. But George has had trouble at times staying on and off the field. But I think ultimately they're just – the antics may ha- – I, I think it's impossible to say they didn't play a role in it because I still think um, – you look at the guy from North Dakota State that went um, – Christian Watson, yeah. I just – yeah, I just – I thought the Packers were going to take George there. I mean, I really did. I thought, well, I thought the Chiefs were also when you heard George. Um, But realistically, I just, I don't think he was the 11th best receiver. I think he should have gone higher. And I think just there's a a multitude of things that may have played into that decision. Yeah, I think George would be a big time player in the NFL. He's got the the catch radius, he's got the body control, he's got really good speed. I I mean, he put up a 4 4 uh, at the NFL combine himself. He's got good size. Now, he's not like the thickest guy in the world, but good size, good length. He's got all the things you'd want in a receiver. And, like, yes, there were some maturity issues. But I think George Josh, like, let's give him some credit. He has grown up. He's still not quite probably where he needs to be. But compared to the guy he was when he first got here, George is mature. George has grown up. And I think when it becomes a job for him, you got to imagine that he'll grow up even more. At least you hope so because he has all the tools to be a really, really good player. And I think there are going to be some teams, just like Kobe, are going to regret passing up on George Pickens. I, I, I do agree with you there. But all right, guys, Curtis had to get out of here real quick. He was able to cut a little bit of time for us today, a little sliver of time. But as I was finishing up my response to that last question, he shot me a quick text and let me know that he had to get out of here real quick as he has to finish up some last second studying for, I think, what is his final law school exam of all time. So wishing good luck to him, saying positive vibes his way. So it's about time to wrap this thing up. But real quickly, before I get out of here, This is hot off the presses. If you guys weren't paying attention, which I get it, you probably weren't. Today was Selection Monday for college tennis. And if it's news on the college tennis world, especially relating to our Georgia Bulldogs, you know I'm going to bring it to you here on this podcast. So the bracket is out. The men came in as the 11 overall seed, which if the college tennis tournament was broken down like the NCAA basketball tournament and it was seeded like 1 through 16, the number 11 overall seed would be a number three seed. 
And the women's team was seeded number 14 overall, which again, putting this like NCAA basketball March Madness bracket terms for you, that would be a four seed. So two really, really good programs, had great seasons, and we are both set to kick off the NCAA tournament here in Athens. In the Classic City, the top 16 seeds get to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, and being the 11 and 14 seeds... That does mean that both the men's and women's programs will be hosting the first two rounds here this weekend. I've said it before, I'll say it again, outside of the environment in Sanford Stadium for Georgia football, which is unquestionably the best environment on campus and one of the best environments for any college sport anywhere in the country, that's in a league of its own, obviously, we know that. But outside of Georgia football, inside Sanford Stadium, I will put it to you that a postseason college tennis environment here in Athens when the dogs are playing is the next best environment on campus. You do not want to miss this, guys. If you weren't able to make it out for the SEC tournament a couple weekends ago when the men were here in town, this is your chance, all right? First and second rounds, the men open play on Friday at 2 p.m. against Alabama State, which is a match that we should win very, very quickly. And I know 2 p.m. is very early on a Friday. You might not get a chance to come make it out for that one. That's okay. Saturday, guys, that should be your target day. If you can come out Friday, I'll be there. It'll be fantastic. Have a great time. But if you can come out on Saturday, that's the one you want to make it to because both the men's and the women's teams will be playing. The women will open up their first round at 1 o'clock against Charleston Southern on Saturday afternoon, and the men will be hosting the second round match shortly after that at 4 p.m. on Saturday, which will likely be against Florida State. It'll be the winner of Florida State and Georgia State, which again, almost certainly will be Florida State. So that will be a much more exciting, interesting, intense match. I strongly recommend you make it out for that. And then the women wrap things up on Sunday. Make a whole weekend out of it, guys. Bring the family up here. The weather's fantastic here in Athens. The women will wrap things up on Sunday, if we can get past Charleston Southern, which again, we should. If we don't, then something is going seriously wrong. There's some like craziness going on, which is just not going to happen. But if we can get past Charleston Southern, the women will wrap things up on Sunday at 1 p.m. against the winner of Northwestern and Wake Forest. If I had to put my money on it, it'll be Wake Forest. It's a good, solid ACC program. The ACC in women's tennis is out of this world right now, a number of elite teams, really a number of teams that could win the whole thing. So Wake Forest might not be a top tier ACC program right now, or at least not this year, but that doesn't mean they're not good. They're a very, very good team, a very good program, just happens to be in one hellacious of a women's college tennis conference right now. So that's the way it shapes up this weekend, guys. I'm telling you, look, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, you're gonna bring the family out, enjoy the weather, come to Athens. Athens by itself is reason enough to come to Athens, just to be in the classic city, but to be able to take in some postseason college tennis, again, what I believe to be the second best college athletics environment on campus behind, a good bit behind, but still behind the uh, the environment inside Sanford Stadium for a Georgia football game. And we will be covering that for you all weekend. You can follow the men's and women's Twitter accounts. Uh, at UGA Women's Tennis and at UGA Tennis. They give you a lot of great content, but we'll also be following it ourselves. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. So I know I say it a lot on this show that you should come check out a tennis match, but please just take my word for it. You won't regret it. I can assure you of that. And this is the perfect time to do it because we set up to win these matches. We should win these matches. We'll be the favorites all weekend long. And it'll just be a great environment here in uh, in the Classic City in the late spring, early summer.
But okay, guys, that does officially do it for me here today on the Glory UGA podcast. I will be back later this week with a basketball episode. I know it's been a minute since we did a basketball episode, but don't look now. Mike White's making some waves on the recruiting trail with the transfer portal. We might just have a much better team than people are anticipating next year. And I'm going to break down everything that's gone down since Mike White has gotten the job. Take a look at our roster as it stands right now with a couple of roster spots still open. So we'll have a lot of fun with that, guys. I know you guys want to hear your football talk and, you know, we never stray too far from that. But there are other programs on campus that we want to give some love to. And I am very intrigued, very intrigued about the possibilities for this Georgia basketball team as early as next year. So we'll do the episode for you guys later on this week, and that will lead us into the weekend. But thank you guys for listening. Always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.